19. And let me say it is good to be home. Say amen. How many of y'all know people up north are different? Uh, uh, Yankees got issues. Amen. They, now, if, if, if you're from up north, we love you too here, here at Temple Baptist Church. Amen. Uh, y'all eat different and y'all talk different. Don't ever go into a Sunday school class and say, hey, y'all, what's up? Because you have just spoke a foreign language and they don't know what you're saying. Amen. Amen. I am glad to be home. We had a great time up there with Brother Tony Liuzzo, a great conference. I, 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 I had to get a bunch of new stuff for the particular uh, title of, uh, in, the, in the topic of the conference. So uh, it was all on balance. They asked me to come speak on balance. Uh, five, six different uh, messages and, and, and uh, speaking on balance. I thought they got the most unbalanced person in the whole state of Alabama to come speak on balance. Amen. And, and I felt like most of the time I was speaking and everything I learned and I put together to help those folks up there, I was preaching to myself. Amen. Uh, so I, I, I got a lot of stuff that we're going to use here that's going to really help us. And this was one of those. This was the one that we ended the conference on uh, in dealing with the subject of burnout. Burnout. Uh, how many of you have ever said this, it, it maybe sometime in your life, I've had enough. I've had enough. I can't take it no more. I have had enough. Well, if you have and you felt that way, you're in good company. Probably the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, the prophet that John the Baptist came in the, in, in, in the spirit of in the New Testament, Elijah, there was a time in his life where he had had enough. He had had enough. Now, that makes me feel good. I don't know about y'all, but when a man that has the touch of God on him like him can get to that place, uh, we're okay. Amen? Amen. Now, here's what I'm going to have to do. We're going to read just a few verses, and then I'm going to have to set it up. I'm going to have to tell you the story of everything that happened, and then we will get into the outline. We're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about maybe some symptoms of burnout and what causes those things, and then what do we do about it? Four quick things we're going to share, and I really need you to get this, man. I really need you to write this down because this, this may, hey, it could save your life. It could save your life. We, we have people today that are committing suicide. We have people today who are leaving their families, they're leaving their spouses. Now, not just ministry. It's about everyday life because we've just got to the point we can't take it no more. Are you all with me? Say amen. Now, let's look in 1 Kings chapter number 19 and verse number 1. <clears throat> 1 Kings 19, verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do unto me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his what? Went for his life. I want you to underline that in your Bible. He went. For his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. That's another bad thing to do. Uh, When you are stressed to the max, when you are discouraged big time, even to the point of depression, the most natural instinct is to get alone. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to be around anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the most dangerous thing you can do. He left his servant. He got alone. He went further another day's journey. The Bible says in verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree 
and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, say it with me. Say it again. It's enough. I can't take it. It is enough. Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, please, please, please help me help all of your children in this place today. God, I pray that your perfect will be done. I pray that you'll move in an awesome way, and God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me, let me describe the story, tell the story, and then we'll, we'll get to the points, okay? Uh, here we have Elijah, <clears throat> probably, probably the number one prophet, probably the most powerful a uh, powerful man of God used in the Old Testament. We know Elisha got a double portion and 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 done a lot of a lot of things, but Elijah was the man. Uh, John Baptist came in the New Testament in the spirit of Elijah. Uh, Elijah, uh, he, when when you can go into the king's palace and look him eyeball to eyeball and tell him he is a devil and he's messing everything up, you the man. Say man. I mean, Ahab was a wicked king, wicked, wicked, having people killed on a whim. And he goes to the king and he said, you're wicked. Uh, God is not happy with you. And matter of fact, I'm going to pray and ask God to stop the rain and it stopped. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm not talking about just praying for your garden and getting some rain or not some rain. Or, or that's right. I'm talking about he shuts down the heavens for three years. So here we have these years have gone by. And, and, man, things are getting bad because the nation is wicked. They've been following the prophets of Baal. They've been following wicked Jezebel and Ahab. And, and, and so he is doing everything he can to bring the people back to God. All right? Now, we have a showdown in verse number eight, or chapter number 18. He comes and he says, he tells Ahab, i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to find out who God really is and who is the real God, who is the true God. We're going to have a contest on Mount Carmel. Y'all know the story. I, I don't want to spend too much time so I can get in the other, but they go up to the mountain. They get all the prophets of Baal, all the prophets of the grove, about 850 of all of them, and they have a contest. They said, you call on your God, Baal, and I'll call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But before he did that, he confronted the people. He confronted the nation of Israel who God had delivered out of Egypt, who God had delivered out of bondage, who God had fed manna and quail from glory, who God had brought water out of a rock, who God had built a kingdom like no other kingdom, this, this nation who should have been following God, who should have been following Jehovah and, and, and doing everything. They said, here, he said, if Baal be God, follow him, but if God be God, follow him. And this is the response. Crickets. The Bible says they answered him not a word. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I need a little help. I like amens. I like sick em, preacher. I like people to get with me when I'm preaching. Are y'all with me? And there is a frustrating thing when you are trying your best to bring the people to where they need to be so they can be blessed and favored and honored by God, and they answer him not a word. Are y'all with me? Now, y'all know the story? The, the, the prophets of Baal, they called on their God and called on their God and called on their God. Uh, Elijah's over here. You know, huh, this is great. If you read into it, Elijah's got a sense of humor. He, he's kind of a smart aleck. 
He said, hey, call a little louder. Your God may be asleep. He may be pursuing. That means he may be in the restroom. Hey, he, he might not. Hey, can you imagine? This has got to be good. You know, I mean, you, he just got 850 in this one little old preacher mocking all up. And, man, they go into a frenzy. They start cutting themselves. They start, they start just, I, I mean, they're just, they, they've got to do something and nothing works. Nothing worse. All right, Elijah said, all right, you had your chance. He comes, he repairs the altar. They get barrels of water and pour on it. I mean, just, just one after another after another. And, uh, and, and he steps back and he says, Lord, he said, all these people need to know that there is a God in Israel. I'm calling on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I pray that you'll show up, show these people who the real God, and fire comes down out of heaven. Are y'all with me? Now, that's what I call a revival. Amen. Fire comes out of heaven, consumes the calf, consumes the altar, and the people say, Woo! This is what they said. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Yeah, now, that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm, I guess I'm going to have to call fire down, I reckon. Y'all with me? And so they say, and this is what, this is what uh, Elijah said. He said, all right, round up all those prophets, the 850 prophets, 450 prophets of Baal in the grove, and they took them down to the creek and slew them, made a non-profit organization out of them. Say amen. <laughs> Killed all of them, every one of them. Now, now, the story gets better. He tells Ahab. He says, Ahab, I'm fixing to pray for rain. You better, it's time to celebrate. It's time to eat, drink, and be merry because the rain is coming. We've turned back to God, and you know what? The rain came. And now he says, now you need to get back to the palace because if you don't, you're getting wet. And so Ahab gets in the chariot. You, got, you can't make this stuff up. Say amen. He gets in the chariot, and he goes to Jezreel, and according to the Bible, Elijah outruns him 17 miles Elijah is high stepping are y'all with me this old man outruns the king and his chariot to Jezreel he's so happy he's so excited man things are going to turn around I've been praying for three years I've been in the wilderness I've been fed by the ravens I've been sitting at a widow's house now it's finally going to turn around Woo! this is great And he run into some crazy woman. Isn't it amazing? It is ironic that this man can stand toe-to-toe, face-to-face with 850 false prophet men and one crazy woman. Men, y'all better shout, doggone it. (laughs) Ahab tells his wife, that's the number one coward right there. Ahab tells his wife what happened. And she said, I tell you what, I tell you what, I'm going to kill you like you killed my prophets. Because it was all about, it it was her doing. Well, the Bible says that he saw that and ran. He ran. All right, he just had a 17-mile journey wide open. But the Bible says it was supernatural. Oh, you got to be supernatural. You're going to outrun a chariot. Say amen. God's hand is on him. 
Well, now, now because of the threat, because of things just didn't turn out the way Elijah thought it was going to. How many of y'all have ever ever, uh, uh, had something in your life that didn't turn out like you thought it was going to? And then that verse says this. And this is, where, this is where I want you to really chime in and, and, and pay attention. He ran for his life. He's got the fear going. He's anxious. He's afraid. He's, he's running for his life. He's running just to stay alive. He's running to survive. Now, I know what you're thinking. Ain't no crazy woman in a palace chasing me. No. No. But you're running for your life with your schedule. Every day of your life, you wake up and I got to do this. And I got to do that. And I got to get this accomplished. And I got to get this done. Your schedules and your hobbies and your games and your practices and, and, and this appointment and that appointment. And it seems like every day of your life is so hectic and so crazy. You need 48 hours in one day. I need a witness, y'all. Don't get quiet on me. I know this is true. I see your Facebook. See, y'all might as well. Hey, this is no time to be faking because I'm going to hit that point in number three. Say amen. We're running around like crazy. We're running around like a chicken with his head cut off and, 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 and just doing more and doing more and doing more and doing more. And, and it seems like we're running for our life. Am, am I talking to anybody? 17 miles he runs, and now he goes from Jezreel to Beersheba, which is in excess of 100, about 113 miles. I wonder the brother's tired. Leaves his servant there and goes another 24 miles, another day's journey, and sits under a juniper tree and says, and this is what he says, I've had enough. I've I've had enough. Now now think about this. You've got to get this. On Mount Carmel, you know what? it's, it's, it's It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure when you feel like you're the only one can bring the rain. I tell you what, I, I, I you know, I, I don't want to use me because I, I've been preaching to me all week. But it's a lot of pressure dealing with my problems and all of y'all's. It's a lot of pressure when you're dealing with your family and you're dealing with issues in your life and everybody comes to you, and I'm talking about you now. And you feel like you're the only one that can fix it. You feel like you're the only one that can change it. You feel like you're the only one that can do anything. Crickets. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. I'm going to park right in your driveway this morning. He said, I don't want to live anymore. I just want to die. I'm not even as good as my father's. Just let me die. Say, preacher, what are, what are some of the symptoms of burnout? First thing that happens, you don't have to, if you're going to write something down, write down the fixing, the, 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 the prescription. But these are some things you can look for in your life. First thing we do, first thing we do when we, we begin to get burnt out is we begin to devalue ourselves. 
We begin to devalue ourselves. I'm nothing. How do you devalue yourself? By comparing yourself to somebody else. When you go to comparing your life to somebody else's life, when you go to compare your experience to somebody else's experience, when you go to compare your spouse with somebody else's spouse, mm-hmm. when you go to compare your kids with somebody else's kids, your life, your house, your car, what you have or don't have and they do and you don't, you headed for burnout. I tell you, so-and-so over there is church, I tell you. And so-and-so over there, her husband, and boy, if mine treated me like she, he treated her, you don't go home with it. Everybody's Ken and Barbie at church. Y'all with me? Boy, if my wife treated me like, man, that's a mistake. Because it's always, it's always, when you go to comparing you're always you're always guessing and it, and it throws you into a fantasy world are y'all with me guess what no human being can live up to the fantasy of another he says i'm not even as good as my father i'm no good i'm no account i'm not worth anything you ever felt that way i'm a nobody i don't have what it takes I don't have what it takes to be a good mom. I don't have what it takes to be a good dad. I'm just worthless. I've made so many mistakes. And, so, and, 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 and whoo, here we go. We devalue ourselves by comparison to others. We underrate our work. We underrate our work. Preacher, what he say? Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. God had asked him, what are you doing here? And we'll get to that in just a second. He says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain the prophets with a sword. And that, let me translate that. I've been preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching, and they're still acting stupid. I've been serving, I've been working, I've been, I've been prophesying, I've been shutting down the rain, and I've been doing all of this, and look what they're doing. You, you devalue your work. You, you think what you're doing doesn't matter. You may tell you what causes that? Trying to control everything. When we try to become God, I raise my kids and I feed my kids and I train my kids and I teach my kid and he goes and does something ignorant. Now, you don't deal with the ignorance in the kid who has a self-will and he's going to do what he's going to do. But but no, you start feeling, well, I'm no good. I'm a failure. Let me, let me, <laughs> I don't care how good, I don't care how good a parent you are. I don't care how good a parent you are. You could have an ignorant child. Are y'all with me? Now, I don't like to compare children with coon dogs, but you can have the best mama and the best daddy and have a complete idiot for a puppy. Are y'all with me? I told you it's going to get worse. Y'all might as well put your seatbelt on. But what happens is, and we as preachers are the worst on this part, because we, 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 we preach and we preach and we see what's happening and we see what's going and, and we see where a person's life is headed. They keep on that path and you beg and you plead and you say, listen, don't do that. And they do it anyway. 
and you get so frustrated and you feel like a failure, what kind of preacher am I? Man, I remember one time, I remember one time driving from Coleman to Birmingham. We had a young person in the church that just uh, tried, tried to take their own life and and, 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 and man, the whole, I cried, I cried like a baby all the way from Coleman to Birmingham feeling like if I would have been better pastor, if I would have been better leader, if I'd have done this or if I'd have done that, she wouldn't have. Elijah's saying, I've done, done all this stuff and they're still crazy. You know what he was trying to do? He was trying to be God. God didn't say control them people. God didn't say make them do anything. He said, just tell them what I say. I had another friend of mine. I had another friend of mine that was in a bad situation in his life. And I said, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to take step one, two, and three. This is what you need. I'm telling you, if you don't do this, it's going to be bad. You need to do it. Well, he listened to another person and did the exact opposite of what I said. And, and it just turned into a train wreck. I'm in a complete explosion. And it broke my heart. Man, I cried and I was upset and I was depressed and I went home. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to talk to the kids. I didn't want to talk to my, my, my wife. And I just went back down the hallway, went into my bedroom and shut the door and turned on the religious channel. I was flipping through those religious channels. There's a guy on there. I wouldn't recommend him to nobody. <clears throat> but right in the middle of the, the channel flipping, he said, you! This is what he said. He said, you need to understand something. You are not responsible for the pain in others who will not follow your counsel. I'm telling you, if there was ever a God moment, God was trying to get my attention. He said, son, you can't control people. You can't make people do anything. As a pastor, and, and ladies and gentlemen, as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, as a relative, you can't make anybody do anything. And when you try to control people, when you try to control circumstances, you're going to end up depressed. Let's move right along. Isn't that the truth? He said, I, my work, my ministry, it's no count. Everything I've done, it don't, he's trying to be God. He's trying to control everything. Another, another, another symptom of burnout is we exaggerate our problems. He said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's doing anything. They want to kill me too. Well, they didn't want to kill him. One crazy woman did. But how many of y'all know when you get burned out, you think everybody's after you? I tell you what, when you get burned out, when you get fatigued, when you get wore out, uh, uh, you think the world's ending. And it's really not. It's really not but we, we over-exaggerate our problem. Then the last thing, the last symptom, and the last, last thing that happens when we begin to get burnt out is we abdicate our dream. What does that mean? We give up. Here he is fighting for the Lord for three years. I mean, shutting down the heavens, insta instigating contests with the prophets of Baal, preaching and prophesying, doing all this godly ministry, and now... He's burnt out. Now he's wore out. Now he's mentally done. So now he just wants to quit. You know what? That's where the devil wanted to get you to begin with. The devil wants you to quit on your marriage. The devil wants you to quit on your ministry. The devil wants you to give up on your dreams. 
Are y'all with me? God gave Joseph a dream, and it gave, it, 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 he ended up in a pit. He ended up in a palace of, as a slave. He ended up in a prison. The whole time, the devil's trying to steal his dream. But don't give up on your dream. Are y'all with me? We give up. What do we do? What do we do when we just get to that place? It's enough. I can't take no more. I'm talking about Elijah was to the place he wanted to die. He didn't want to live anymore. Four quick things. Write these things down. And this is application. We're going to be fast right here. What do we do? What do we do? Now, I'm going to give you points, and I don't need you to argue with me. Y'all with me? How many of y'all have ever been to the doctor and the doctor said, now look, I'm fixing to tell you something and you need to do what I'm telling you. Guess what? You're in the doctor's office. Number one, you need to rest. You need to rest your body. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Brother has run 17 miles. 17 miles supernaturally from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. He goes from Jezreel all the way to uh, Beersheba, which is 113 miles, goes another 24 miles. Are y'all with me? Say amen. What started the issue? Physically, he was drained. Physically. And by the way, you say, oh, let's get to the, the, the real good stuff, the spiritual stuff. No, you don't understand. Before God ministered to him spiritually or emotionally, he ministered to him physically. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. Verse number 5. And, watch this. Y'all with me? Got up there? Watch this. And verse number 5. And as he lay and slept. As he lay and slept. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink, and he laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord, now it doesn't say how long this took place. It doesn't say how long of rest he took. But the Bible says at a moment, he, in verse 7, he woke him up the second time and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Where you're going, you're going to need this. He arose and did eat and drink, and when the strength of that meat, 40 days and 40 nights in the horror of the mount of God. Now, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. God let him rest. God brought him food to eat. He ministered to his physical need, his physical body, before he ever said, what are you doing here? There's like two phases of this deal. First, it was the physical. God met the physical. God ministered to the physical. And he allowed him to rest. Why? He was physically exhausted. Do you realize that, 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 that one of the most spiritual things you can do for yourself is rest? Watch this. Watch this. Mark 6.31. Mark 6.31. This is Jesus and the disciples. And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, they are serving, they are ministering, they are healing I'm going to get somewhere with this. I, I, I hope I can get past this point, but this is, this is big, y'all. I know because y'all are going to argue with me. I'm telling you. Watch this. Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and, and rest a while. 
For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Now, now here's, here's what you're going to say. I don't have time. I don't have time. You don't understand my life. You don't understand my schedule. You don't understand this, and you don't understand that. I've got serious things that need to be done. I've got emergencies. I've got crisis on my hands. I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. All these people coming to Jesus and the disciples, do you think theirs was a crisis? Hello? Get with me. Come on. Don't quit. Do you think if a man had a sick youngin and he was coming to Jesus and said, hey, now let me say, let me say, it might not be for somebody else's youngin, but if it's my youngin, it's a crisis. Are y'all with me now? You see, these people, they were still sick people. They were still broken people. They were still needy people. But you know what Jesus said? No. No. This is Jesus. But he, this is what he knew. There's always going to be sick people. There's always going to be crisis. There's always going to be an emergency. But if these old boys get burned out, ain't nobody getting no help. So he said, you hold it. We'll be back. But they need a break. How many of you, how many of you have ever rode on a jet? You know, 747, 737, 787. Raise your hand. Come on. Up in the balcony. Raise your hand. You rode on a jet? How many of y'all remember sitting in that chair and that, that stewardess comes out and she goes to talking about all the stuff? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And she, and she goes to talking about the oxygen mask coming out of the ceiling. Are y'all with me? In case of an emergency, now I don't want oxygen, I want a volume. Say amen. Case of emergency, give me some drugs. Hey man, I don't, I don't want to see it coming. Hey man, this is what they say. This is what they say. If you have a small child with you, in case of emergency and the oxygen mask fall out of the ceiling, what do they always tell you? All you frequent flyer people, what do they say? Put it on yourself first. Now you know what they know. You know what they know? If you're a parent, hey, you're, you're driving down the road. You got a little Johnny in the car with you. You're driving down the road. Some heathen pulls out in front of you. What's your first instinct? Y'all with me? Now, if you don't have children, you don't understand that yet, but you will. Your first instinct is to take care of them. And, and they know that. They know that you want to protect your little one, and you will risk your life to protect the little one. But what they know is this. If you try to put the mask on them and you pass out, you're no good to nobody. So you take care of yourself first, then you can take care of them. I'm preaching this morning. Some of you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You've got this schedule and that schedule and this appointment and that appointment. And guess what? You're not going to like what I'm fixing to say, but guess who's in charge of that? You. Some of y'all act like the thoroughbred. That thoroughbred, that thoroughbred, you can run him into the ground. He'll just keep running till he dies. And you need to start acting like a mule. In more ways than just being stubborn. You know what a mule do? You can work that mule. When he gets tired, he's done. He's just going to sit down on you. 
You can beat him. You can do whatever you want. But he done. Don't come at me with all this. You don't understand. No, I understand. You won't say no. You know how I understand that? Because I got the same problem. Preacher, will you be here? Preacher, will you come see this? Will you come be at this? Will you come? 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 And, and, uh, and let me tell you what. My, my least favorite word in the whole world is no. I, 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 I had a pastor come. One revival. We stood on a little building. And he, he, he watched me that week, and I was going crazy. I had to be there at the hospital for this and that, and this and this person over here. And I, and I was just going wide open, and he stopped me and said, Son, you can't be everything for everybody. He said, I love you like my own son, so I'm going to tell you. And, and church, I love you like my own family, so I'm going to tell you, you can't be everything for everybody. If God created the world and on the seventh day, what'd he do? If he needed it, you need it. And by the way, he didn't need it. He didn't need a nap, but he wanted to give you an example. Rest. God let him rest. God let him sleep. You know what Vince Lombardi said? Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards out of us all. How many of you said something stupid to your wife because you was exhausted? How many of you said something stupid to your husband because you was exhausted? You know, we think different, we act different when we're physically fatigued. They've done tests. They've done tests with alcohol impairment driving and sleep-deprived driving, and the sleep was worse. And some of y'all are so tired. And you think there's a problem spiritually, and really it might be just God trying to tell you, slow down. There's a day in my life I come to God, and I, I'm, I ain't going to finish this. But anyway, I read that verse, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy, and my burden is. And I thought, Who am I carrying? And I come to God and I said, God, what? I, I got this and I'm doing that and I'm, I'm getting wore out. And he said, I didn't tell you to do none of them things. Because God said, do this. And I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to do that and all my stuff. Where do you get that from? God supernaturally touched Elijah. He ran 17 miles wide open, outrun a chariot. But then on his own, he went 113 miles and then another 24 miles. And now he's totally physically exhausted. And this was the question that God had for Elijah. What are you doing here? For three years, he never moved without the commandment of God. He said, go down to the brook, I will feed thee there. Go to the widow, I will, I will take care of thee there. As long as he was there, God's hand was on it. That's why God said, what are you doing? And some of you, just, you're just totally exhausted. Because you're trying to please everybody. You've got your kid in 17 different activities. And you're the only one that controls that. Well, little Johnny might be unhappy. Well, give him a popsicle and say, suck it up. 
Hey, it's like the dog that the man said won't eat beans. He said, you don't feed him three days, he'll eat them beans. Are y'all with me? You see, the problem is not little Johnny ain't happy. The problem is you're worshiping your kid. And your kid has become an idol, so you're trying everything you can to make him happy at the expense of your spouse. Why not let's just get it all out today, amen? Let's just get it all done. See, this is what happens when y'all let me go to Ohio. Amen? Hey, let's, let's cut some stuff back. You're in charge of that. Not your neighbor, not anybody. You are. You cannot blame overscheduling on anybody. Look at your neighbor and say, today I become a mule. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> number two, number two. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Y'all taking up my time, quickly. First, we have to rest. Number two, you got to learn to release your frustration. You got to learn to get honest with God. You know what's the problem in churches today? There's too many fake people. There's too many fake people. You come to church and you don't want anybody to think you got a problem. Men and women, mostly men, but men, men and women won't go to a marriage counseling because they, don't, they want everybody to think they got a good one, even though it's about to kill both of you. Let me tell you, that's stupid. You don't, you don't wait till the, well, some of you might, you don't wait till the motor's just about to fall out the car until you take it to the mechanic. Don't wait. Everybody has issues. You know what Elijah did? God said, what's up, man? What are you doing here? i tell you what I'm doing. And boy, he just threw up on God. I've been doing this and I've been doing that and ain't nobody helping me and I'm the only one and they trying to kill me too. I mean, he was just honest. And don't look bad at Elijah. Hey, that's what you're supposed to do. I don't think you ought to do that to God. Really? He already knows. Look at Psalms. Why do you think he put this stuff in the Psalms? This is a psalmist. Man, man after God's own heart. Look what he says. Psalms 2.1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Psalms 10.1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why How does, hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Psalms 42.9. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Psalms 55, 6. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. You know what he's doing? He's just getting honest with God. You know what we do? We put on a mask to come to church. Because we don't want anybody to see we got issues. We don't want anybody to see we got a problem. We don't want anybody to see we struggle. We want everybody to think everything's perfect and everything's great. You know what that is? That's pride. You say, well, I don't want people to think that. Well, see, here's the problem with that. You take that same mentality, you take that same attitude to God. How many of y'all have ever seen a water heater? Okay, how many of y'all took a shower in hot water? Let's start there. Well, in that pipe, it goes back to a water heater. And at the top of that water heater is a valve. Pop-off valve, pressure release valve. Why is that valve there? 
Because if it wasn't, that pressure built up. And it, it, oh. And, 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 and it's like, it's like when they was whale hunting. There she blows. What does that got to do with me? You, you hem stuff up, you, you bottle it up, and you do everything to the point that all of a sudden, there she blows. I need, a, I need some help, men. Come on, help me. We keep it in and we keep it in and we keep it in to the point that we get like a light and just, bam! What if you just took some time and just got real with God and say, God, this is what's going on in my marriage. This is what's going on in my life. I'm so frustrated. I'm so, I'm so tired. God, would you do something? I got to tell the story. When I first moved here, when I first moved here, I left South Carolina and came here. And, and, and man, things was, it was amazing what God did in South Carolina. People getting saved and just, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Everything worked. I come to Alabama doing the same stuff, singing the same songs, preaching the same messages, and just feeling like the same power of God, and nothing worked. I mean, just doing everything I could do. And, and, and it seemed like the first few months, uh, the, the church went down halfway in size with my church building skills. And I'm just frustrated as all get out. I'm, just, I'm doing everything I know to do. Preach, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm doing the same stuff. I'm singing the same song. I, I, I help. Well, one Sunday, we had a family come to church. Had a family come to church, and and uh, 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 and her and her her son and daughter came. And I was teaching in Sunday school in the Book of Daniel. We was like in chapter number six, and and uh, I don't know if you've ever studied Daniel. It's like the Old Testament equivalent to Revelation. And, uh, and, 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 and when you study that, if you come in chapter 6, you lost. And I thought, man, they ain't going to get it, but I want them to come back, and I'll never do this again. I don't know why it worked then. I guess God had mercy on my stupidity. But I went to that lady right after the Sunday school. I said, if you'll come back, I'll come to your house and catch you up. Now, doesn't that sound like a psycho? Amen? I look back now, and I said, man, that woman should have burnt the tires getting out of the parking lot. Amen? She says, Okay. And I said, really? <laughs> so that Tuesday, how many of y'all know? And I was, I was excited, man. We had a first-time attender, and they're going to come back. They're actually going to come back. I was so excited. How many of y'all know you can be jacked up on Sunday and, 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 and blow out on Monday? So now I'm, I'm down again. So I'm here the day I'm going over there, and I'm just frustrated, and I'm just driving i'm thinking about everything that happened there and why ain't it happening here and i'm just getting and this is this is what happened i said i said god would you just please save somebody just save somebody frustrated and i just kept going forgot about it forgot about it get over to their house <clears throat> open the door and they got a full circle of chairs and one chair right in the middle and I thought, dear God, what have I done? <laughs> they put me in that chair. And for the next 45 minutes or an hour, I, I, I was going through the book of Daniel. And it was time, and it done got laid. And, 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 and I said, well, I'm preaching on, uh, and teaching on the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night. I might as well hit them up for that while I'm here. Hey, man, maybe they'll come Wednesday. 
So I start telling them how the Holy Spirit will convict and draw you and, and all this kind of stuff. And right in the middle of my speech, right in the middle of my speech, a uh, 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 little fella, uh, the son went like this. And I thought, well, that's rude. I'm in the middle of my speech. I said, you got a question? He said, yeah. He said, can I get saved like right now? I said, just as soon as I get through talking. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I said, yeah, I guess you can. We got down on the floor right there in the living room. Got down on the floor. He gets saved. And, 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 and by the way, this is, this is Chip and Amanda's family. Chip, Chip, I don't know if he's here this morning, but he's probably down at the detention center preaching in Birmingham. Well, Chip was right beside him. And God said, ask him. I said, Lord, don't push you. We got one. Amen. Let's, let's, let's. I looked at Chip and I said, I said, what's your church background? And this is what he said. He said, you really want to know? I said, yes, sir. He starts crying. He said, I used, I used to be a Catholic altar boy. And so here we go, we start, we get down on our knees, he gets saved. And Amanda was sitting beside him, and God said, ask her. I said, sure thing. <laughs> I asked her, she gets saved. Now you're talking about jacked up? Now it's real late by now. How many of y'all know uh, Tammy's not as spiritual as I am at 2 o'clock in the morning? I'm coming home. I'm all excited. This is so great, man. All these people getting saved. Woo! And, 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 and God got in the car with me about 75. He said, you like that? I said, man, yeah. He said, you do your thing, and I'll do mine. Preacher, no, ho, 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 ho. I got another one. Preacher, what's the point? The point is it's time to get honest with God. It's time to peel off the mask and come tell God your problems. Come tell God your issues. Quit faking it. Quit faking it. If you got issues, tell him. If you got problems, tell him. If you got hurts, tell him. If you're mad at him, tell him. He already knows. If you're bitter, tell him. And all God's people say it. Listen. Listen, no, no, no. Refocus on God. He takes him, and I, I, let, me just, let me just tell you, hurry, 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 hurry. He takes him to the, you see, see, he calls fire down from, he calls fire down from Mount Carmel, consumes the sacrifice, and then, and then uh, he goes to Jezreel, and, and, and God doesn't do in Jezreel what he did in Mount Carmel. And see, that messes us up because we're creatures of habit. We think God's going to operate the same way every time in every situation. God may deliver you in a miraculous way here and maybe let you suffer a little bit right here. He may, he may heal your friends over here and let your brother die, ask Mary and Martha. And see, when God didn't operate in Jezreel like he operated in Mount Carmel, it wigged him out and threw him off. And then when God confronted him and said, what are you doing here? He said, I, 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 I done this and I done it. And his focus was totally off of what it was on Mount Carmel. On Mount Carmel, it was all about God. It was all about them seeing God. It wasn't to see how great a preacher he was. It was to see how great a God he is. And when you get burnt out, your focus goes on yourself. And God said, i tell you what you need to do. Go outside this cave right here. And the Bible says, and the Lord passed by. I want to preach right now on that right there. Aren't you glad when you get burnt out, the Lord will pass by? 
and there was a strong wind that rent the rocks. There was an earthquake, and there was a fire. I mean, these big supernatural things. And the Bible said God wasn't in none of them. But in that still, small voice. And that's when he heard him. You know what I think God's trying to tell us? Don't expect fire all the time. You don't, it, it, there doesn't have to be lightning and thunder and, and, and this, this big stuff. I can be in a still, small voice. I didn't need fire on the mountain to handle Jezebel. I could have just said a word. Preacher, what do we do when we burn out? We need to refocus on God. We need to get our focus back on God. Quit telling, listen, quit looking at your problem so big. Tell your problem how big your God is. Let me say this, and I'll quit. I, I, know, I know it. Y'all going to have to be real careful getting out of here because I've done gone way too over, but you got to get this. Here recently, we, we had a financial issue take place in our household. Just a bad financial deal. Uh, 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 Jalen, come on up. Y'all get ready while I'm saying that. Y'all focus on me, though. Don't pay attention to him. I'm trying to save time, but get this story. How many of y'all know there's nothing that will cause you to wig out more than financial issues? Well, this was a big deal. And I was just not handling it well. I mean, I was just not handling it well. I wished I'd have been more faithful and, and had more faith and, and all that stuff, but I'm telling you, it just did not. And I, I started thinking the worst case scenario, just like everything he did, it's a, it, man, my, my brain's going 100 miles an hour. It's a whole lot worse than what, what it really was. What am I going to do? What am I going to do, God? What? And this is what God said. Since when did the church become your provider? See, y'all didn't even catch that right there. God said it don't matter what happens. It don't matter what happens on your check. It doesn't matter what bills come into your house. I am your provider. And God started doing stuff. Just out of nowhere. And I'm like, whoa. And you know what God did? Even with the stuff that happened, he over and abundantly blessed beyond what the thing that happened. To show me. Don't depend on nobody, no thing, no job, no retirement, but me. Get your eyes back on God. Preacher, I can't take it. I've had enough. I'm done. Well, it's time to come to this altar, quit faking it, get real with God, release your frustrations, and get your focus back on God. And all God's people say it. Every head bowed and every eye closed while y'all are coming. Why y'all are coming? You're burnt out. You're tired. You've had enough. Come on. Let's, let's do it. Let's practice what we preach. Let's come to God. Let's come to God. Come out of them pews. Come out of them pews right now. Come out of them. Listen, come on and tell God how you feel. Tell God what you're going through. This is the invitation. This is the invitation. If you sit in that pew and don't swallow your pride, you're going to go home with the same pain, the same frustration. You're going to go through everything you've been going through all of this time and not get help. Don't do that.